You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And joining me here today after the 2019 Orange and Blue debut is Will Miles. You can find Will on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and his site read and reaction.com. Hey, if you're in Orlando, you might actually catch him out in Orlando today. Uh, we'll, we'll got to fly down for the spring game, staying in, uh, in, in central Florida at the uh, friendliest place in the world. Will. <laughs> well, thankfully I'm not the one who has to take my son to Disney. Cause I got the joy of taking him to the spring game yesterday, but uh, he's out with his grandparents today. So I'm just uh, hanging out with some friends and, and having a good time here and relaxing a little bit, which is good to get away from work a little bit. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, thanks for uh, hanging out with us uh, here on Gators Breakdown today after the spring game. And Will comes, spring comes to a close uh, on a, a sunny, hot, fun-filled day. Uh, you know, like I said, I got, I'm glad I got to see you and your son and, and tailgate with the Harmonic Woods area and then Annie and her tailgate. Uh, you know, pretty, it was planned uh, this way, off the field for fans, on the field for fans, and on the field for the team. Uh, but it's still, whoo, man, it was it was hot, and but it, it but but we did have some fun in the process. Yeah, it was a little bit warm out there, but you kind of expect that in Gainesville in, in April, and really in, in Florida in April. So any of the recruits who are there know what they're getting into early in the year <laughs> when those when those games start in August and September, because those are usually the games I try to avoid if I can only come down for one, because I want to make sure that the weather's halfway decent. But um, yeah, it was a good show on the field. It was certainly a lot of fun for people who are around campus and and had the opportunity to go around to the tailgates like you did, or uh, or just around the stadium. I mean, they had face painting, they had auctions, all sorts of stuff that my son was really into so it was a good time and uh you know it's one of those things where where you come and do it it's not something i think i do every year but it's something that i really enjoy doing with uh with with somebody who's not ready to go to a real football game yet (laughs) He, he was uh he was much more interested in the festivities than he was in the game that's for sure yeah, that's kind of you know, Mullen even pointed at that. That's kind of what they're trying to do uh, with the spring game. And uh, yeah, before before your son went away, we got to play some, uh, you know, high five too slow. So there we go. That was <laughs> that, that, that was a that was a highlight of the day as well. So before we dive into whatever uh, and all that went down in the spring game, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team going back to yesterday and covering the Orange and Blue debut. So also catch the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, Spotify. When using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. And of course, follow us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Will, let's start with the obvious and also, uh, you know, the uh, the statement that also the defense was very vanilla for a great majority of the day. But Felipe Franks did continue uh, his hot spring, uh, keep showing the the accuracy we haven't consistently seen from him in seasons before uh the 
first touchdown pass to Kadarius Tony on the corner route against Sean Davis was a thing in beauty that, you know, that is a throw Franks has had trouble with it in the past. Ball's coming out on time. It's catchable. And, you know, while he still made lock onto a receiver from time to time, he, he showed in the spring game things that he hadn't shown in that setting before. So Franks 13 of 18 for the day, 327 yards, four touchdowns. Well, I really do think it's time for fans to get excited about the growth of Franks, but more importantly, the potential of Franks. I know the defense was vanilla. I know C.J. Henderson and Marco Wilson were out. Uh, it was easier to identify mismatches, knowing the style of defense that was going to be on the field. But I still think we saw enough late last season, this entire spring, these spring games to say Franks has the potential to really take another step under Dan Mullen. Yeah, I mean, I think people have always thought he's had potential. The question has been being able to deliver that and being able to deliver it consistently. And I think, you know, when you look at some of the throws that he made in the game, especially when when the pocket wasn't necessarily perfect, and obviously in the spring game he's not getting hit, and he knows that. But at the same time, um, you know, news through camp or or word through camp has been that he's been able to do that sort of stuff consistently as well. Um, you know, to be able to hit passes at a high percentage to be able to go downfield um, to be able to do all the things that he was doing in terms of going from his first read to his second read to his third read. You know, those are, those are things that he's not, he's not going to be perfect at because no quarterback's perfect at um, the standard at Florida is pretty significant for, for quarterbacks, obviously. And so he's held to that standard, but he's, but we've been talking about Frank's potential since he was recruited by Jim McElwain. And he's starting to deliver on that. And it's exciting to see because it's not, you know, he's always had the tools. The question has been, can he turn that into production on the field? He started to do that towards the end of the year last year. Now, I think there's also a section of fans who remember the Georgia game and remember the Missouri game and, and, don't necessarily feel like a three or four game sample at the end of the year is enough to um, enough to say, Hey, the tide has turned, but clearly there was an attitude change, um, you know, right around that South Carolina game. And so I think there's also hope and optimism that, that that was sort of a turning point and turning the corner and being able to ignore some of the criticism from people like us when, when things go bad. So um, I think, I think you walk out of this very optimistic um, in terms of Franks, he was clearly the person who stood out um, in the entire game. When you look at it, just his ability to deliver the ball downfield. He looked off a safety on one play, though a lot of safeties got looked off yesterday. Um, but again, I mean, you can't complain. 13 for 18, 327 yards. The only pick he threw was Toledo Shepard. So, um, you know, I think you look at that and say, this is a very positive step forward. We can be encouraged going you know, be encouraged going into the season. Um, I wouldn't expect this type of fireworks show against Miami, but but certainly if he has taken that sort of step forward, and we'll, we'll see it against Miami, and then we can be really optimistic. Yeah, like you said, uh, you know, I kind of forgot to mention early on. You, you and I sat beside each other uh, that, at the game, so we got to we got to kind of look at it together and what, and what we saw. And you, you and I both noticed the look offs and going to a second read and going through progressions. Uh, a lot easier to, to when you know where the deep where the defenders are going to be, but uh, even the even the defenders didn't know uh, where they were going to be a lot of the time, as uh, as you kind of threw out there. Uh, but post game comments and almost every receiver uh, had some post game comments from Travon Grimes to to Van Jefferson to uh, Tyree Cleveland, and all of them had the same comfortable, confident when talking about Felipe Franks and, and this offense. So uh, I think, you know, we've used that, uh, those terms a good bit this whole spring as well. And maybe a change that we've seen uh, in Felipe Franks and things that we saw late last season that maybe have transferred in, into the spring. So if we do get a confident Felipe Franks, I think that was something that definitely was missing 
definitely during the Jim McElwain era and maybe even early on after the Kentucky loss and how that happened and um you know, the offensive line not really showing up in that game. And then Frank's kind of just uh, – or, or Mullen maybe asking Frank to do too much in that game at times. Maybe the confidence went a little bit away uh, – went away a bit also midseason, as you mentioned. But I think there's no question now – and things can change. But as of right now, he does have that confidence. Oh, yeah. I mean, he looked in control. I think that's the word that I would use is that he was in control of what was going on out there. Now, obviously, he knew that there weren't a lot of unique stunts and blitzes and things like that coming at him. He knew what coverages were going to be played. And Mullen even said in his press conference that when you know that his expectation is that the quarterback is going to pick things apart. But, you know, when you look at Trask and you look at Emory Jones, I mean, it, those guys looked less in control than Franks did. And so even in the controlled situation where the quarterbacks knew what they were supposed to do, um, Clearly, there's room for those two guys to grow, and I think Franks, at least in this particular situation, was put in a situation where he could succeed. Um, you know, now, the caveat there is that Jarrett Guarantano for Tennessee also threw for four touchdowns <laughs> in, in his spring game, too. And so, you know, these, these games are set up to have the quarterbacks be um, – you know, set up for the quarterbacks to have success. And so you would expect the quarterbacks to have success. But, you know, that's not something we can take for granted. So last year, um, Florida's main three quarterbacks, Franks, Trask, and Emory Jones, had 43 attempts for 388 yards, so nine yards per attempt. This year they had 47 attempts for 653 yards, 13.9. And, you know, last year that 388 yards, two of those were colored by the long deep throws to the to the alumni. So, um you know, just from last year's game to this year's game, there's been progress. Even if you, you know, even if you, you take the caveat that these are these are um, games that people are just trying to have fun. They still had a lot more fun this year because there was a lot more to show. And so I think that's an encouraging thing moving forward. Yeah, I think uh, here we go. We'll move on as you, you brought them up a little bit. But Trask and Emory uh, in a backup QB battle, I, I I feel comfortable calling it a battle right now. I couldn't. I might would pick Emory just because of the difference in his legs, but. You know, they kind of flip-flop from the way spring went. Um, Emory started out well. Trask maybe was the third guy. I think by the time we got into the last two weeks of spring, Kyle Trask probably seemed to be more uh, in control of the offense than, than so Emory. Uh, but, you know, I do still think Emory Jones' legs uh, make a difference out there. But they also had some fun out there added to the passing stats, as you mentioned. Uh, but it was also those two that added interceptions uh, to the fold. Trask with a long sideline floater that was picked off by John Huggins from the star position. Uh, you know, I don't want to harp on a, a quarterback throwing interception. It's going to happen. And, and for the most part, Trask looked pretty good uh, that day when given time as well. Uh, his next time out found Freddie Swing, who seemed to be open all day day in the middle of the field uh and Emory Jalen Jones both showed plays with their legs and Jalen really showed the explosion and speed that surprised many from the position yeah you know I mean I think that's in, in Mullen's offense you always have an advantage if you're if you're a dynamic runner um Trask Trask played decently I, I think there was one ball he threw up over the middle that should have probably been picked off um where he got pressured and he decided to throw it up deep down the middle and that's something he can't do um you know the the pick six was coming right at us and we both saw it before he even <laughs> released the ball and again those are the types of things you can't do too but um yeah I, again the quarterbacks know what's going on if you know the if you know the coverage or you know what which four coverages it is then the only thing that can disrupt you is is pressure and when they got pressure you know trask um look to struggle in those sorts of looks emory jones looked to run um and, and those, that I think is what you're going to get with a young quarterback in particular, particular in Emory is when you get, when you get flushed, 
you're not necessarily going to go through your progressions anymore. You're just going to run the ball. Now, I mean, he's a dynamic runner with the ball, and so you can get away with that when you've got that ability. Trask isn't going to be able to do that, and so he's going to have to be a little bit more methodical. So um, I was a little bit surprised that Trask came out with the with the blue team to start out. I, I, I sort of just assumed that Emory Jones was going to have that sec, that backup quarterback job, and, and that clearly isn't the case. Right now, they're battling for it, and I'm sure that's how Mullen wants it too, just because of you know, transfer issues and all that sort of stuff too. But, but, you know, Hey, he, he's always promoting competition. And if these guys haven't separated themselves, then, then you give them equal reps and you see where they end up at the end of the fall. Well, I mentioned the interception. So I do want to go to the defense here for just a second and the play Huggins made on, on that pick six. And, you know, Florida's looking for a playmaker to take over for Chauncey Garner Johnson at that star position. We saw everything he was able to do. We saw him put it all together against Michigan in the Peach Bowl. Uh, and Florida has some options here. Uh, I thought most of, you know, I think most thought Trey Dean was to be a shoe in at this position, but Huggins really showed up, performed well here all spring, uh, capped off by his pick six in the spring game. Uh, did some good things at safety last season, but kind of injured there. Didn't really get a lot of playing time. Uh, some guys in front of him as well, but, you know, has found his way uh, to the star position. Now, we did mention the Gators' safeties did struggle uh, with miscommunication and being out of position uh, a good bit of the day in the spring game versus these Gators wide receivers and tight ends. So, so with Huggins performing at the star so well all spring, if the safeties need help, you know, I don't want to – pound on them too much either for, for what we saw, uh, you know, then maybe we see versatile trading move over there to help. He trading can play star. He can play corner. He can play safety. You know, I'm not trying to say that's going to happen. And I don't want to pile on the safeties once again for basically a glorified seven on seven session. Uh, but with the flexibility at star, that possibility exists. Sure. I mean, and that's what Florida has been, been recruiting for over the past couple of years. Mullins repeated it you know, over and over about wanting versatility, especially on the back end. You, you bring in a guy like Steele, you have the ability to to let Marco Wilson come back slowly, or or at least um, at least you know you can give him spells. You can you can you can spell him while he's out there. If the safety struggle, you're going to bring in somebody who 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 plays better. I, I do think what we probably saw is that the receivers are explosive, and the safeties are all limited, and that and that's one of the things that that you're going to run into now. Miscommunication when you're only running four coverages would be a little bit disturbing. You figure you'd you'd know what the call is and you'd be able to execute it. Um, but at the same time, again, if the quarter you, you don't really know which one's a miscommunication versus which one is just a hey, there was a hole in the zone because there's supposed to be a hole in the zone. There's no pressure because we can't run a blitz, and the quarterback is comfortable back there and is able to wait until the zone opens and deliver the ball. So um, I'm not overly concerned about the defensive backs. I think the defensive backs is one of the areas where Florida's recruited the best over the past three or four years, even under McElwain. They were recruiting well at defensive back, even if they weren't recruiting anywhere else. Um, and, and so I, th I think, you know, it, I am much more apt to give the to give the credit to the receivers in this particular game than I am to pile onto the defensive backs. I think that whenever you have a safety one on one with a wide receiver, he should get beat. Like that. That is the. I mean when you design a play as an offensive play caller, you're trying to get your receiver on a safety. And if you get him on a safety, the expectation is your receiver is going to win that battle. Now, the way you counter that, if you're a defense, is you get pressure on the quarterback. You don't let him get to the guy who's one-on-one, -on -one, or you trick him, right? You you run some sort of exotic play where it looks like it's one-on-one -on -one with the safety, but there's corner help or, or whatever the case might be. So none of that was going on in this game. And that's what you would do in a real game. And so they haven't done it. They haven't made any of those adjustments. And they're not going to in the spring game. So I don't think you can necessarily say, oh, the safety play was terrible. I think what you say is 
you you just say, hey, I'm happy that Florida's receivers, and not just the same receiver, that multiple receivers are able to beat the safeties one-on-one, and that's what you want to see. Will, is, it is a good problem to have, and I don't know how in the world Florida's going to share the ball between all these wide receivers and tight ends in the passing game. You know, we, we, we're, we get, we get in, in the spring game setting, we got to see – all the weapons Florida has to get the ball to, you know, um, the sophomore wide receiver, Trevon Grimes, four passes, uh, spring game record, 195 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Freddie Swain, as I mentioned, who just seemed to always be open, uh, especially in the middle of the field, five catches, 115 yards, two touchdowns as well. Tyree Cleveland, four catches, 74 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Kadarius Stoney, four receptions, 94 yards to score uh, through the 40 yard trick play to, to start the game uh, to Franks. And you know, look, that's just, that's just a glance at the receiver position there. Uh, Josh Hammond uh, didn't even play, uh, kind of sat out there. Florida's deeper there as well. Jacob Copeland, who hopefully can get healthy, is another weapon they can add in the fall. Uh, but look, look, another position as well, Kyle Pitts, tight end mismatch out there. And you, know, you and I specifically eyed on him for a, a couple plays in a row, especially the one screen he caught, uh, kind of bobbled it, but still made something happen out of it. And you know, how do you – guard a tight end like that who either can take a spring uh a screen eight nine ten yards get a first down you come up because of that screen and he's going to go blow right by you and use the size and his speed advantage to to go up and get a ball he's a, he's a mismatch out there Kamori gamble was really impressed me as well at the tight end position for his ability to get downfield go up and catch a pass and look we even saw the the uh, another tight end shovel pass to a number 81 and dante lane that that drew praise from the fans well, there's, there's just so many options here, and uh, we'll get into it in just a second right after this. The offensive line comes together, and, and they find some pieces there. I mean, Florida is really, really loaded, and that's not even mentioning what they have at running back. You know, it's amazing what a coaching, what a, what difference a coaching change will make. Because a lot of these guys were here a couple of years ago, and the offense didn't look explosive at all. And now you've got Mullen come in, and the offense looks explosive. And the guys that maybe weren't producing two years ago are all of a sudden a significant part of the production now. And and you're saying, how do you find them the ball? I, it's obviously a good problem to have. I think some of these guys are young and you're still going to have growing pains. I mean, Pitts looks to be an enormous mismatch, but that does not mean that he's going to be an enormous mismatch against, you know, LSU or George's defense. I mean, there are going to be ways that you can take him out of the game if you want to do that. I think that's sort of the key to having the multiple receivers is that you can't shade your coverage to one guy. You know, you can't say, hey, we're going to take Van Jefferson out of this game and just expect your other guys to cover one-on-one. You're going to have to, you know, you can force a defense into zone coverages because they can't double coverage and then single on on, on the other guys. And, yeah, and, and that's Mullen, Mullen, mentioned, yeah, Mullen mentioned that too. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. He mentioned that in, in his post-game presser saying, hey, look, yeah, I may have a go-to get it, got, go, get it to the guy sheet, but once I start doing that, he goes, I don't really have to do that with these options that I have here. And the other thing that it means is that these guys who want to get the ball are going to have to block because you you won't be on the field because there will be somebody else out there who's just as good as you if you don't if you don't fulfill all the blocking responsibilities, knowing where you're supposed to be, all those sorts of things that drove us crazy when we were watching the McElwain Nussmeyer offenses where you got wide receivers jumping off sides and you're not in the right formation and the wide receivers are just whiffing on blocks and all that sort of stuff. You know, that's not going to be something you can put up with when you've got that kind of you know if, if you know, 
if Pitts misses a block, Gamble's going to be in there. If Tony misses a block, you're going to bring in somebody else because <laughs> you've got nine guys that you can run out there. So um, it's a, like you said, it's a good problem to have. I suspect that what's going to end up happening is, is that two or three of those guys are going to become the, the go-to guys for various plays out of various packages. You know, we saw that a little bit last year with Kadarius Tony, where um, once he started to block, particularly in that South Carolina game, they could do some things off of that and it really opened things up. Um, but there were games where he wasn't even on the field for 70, 80% of the plays because presumably he couldn't be trusted to do those sorts of, do the types of things that the other receivers could. And, you know, Hammond and Swain are really good blocking tight end, or blocking wide receivers. So having those guys out there really helps in the run game. You already mentioned the offensive line. And so you're not going to be able to have breakdowns on the outside where you might have been able to get away with it last year. So, um, like I said, it's a good problem to have. You you said it too. It's a good problem to have, and and that's why they pay Mullen the big bucks to figure out how to keep all those guys happy and make sure that they're uh, that that the offense is moving. Not only that, Will, just going back and looking, and, and our big thing was brought up when Mullen got hired of how many of his staff from Mississippi State that he brought with him. And I also don't think with these weapons that we're seeing, and I even think maybe in the improvement of Kadarius Tony route running that we saw a little bit yesterday, as you mentioned, the improvement of some of the guys that were here under Jim McElwain, the job that Billy Gonzalez has done as a wide receivers coach. And if if Kadarius Tony continues to make that transformation and continues to learn how to run routes and beat coverage, I think we can really pinpoint uh, the hiring and bringing over uh, of Billy Gonzalez, who's familiar with working with high-talented receivers from his previous time at Florida uh, and being with Dan Mullen so long at Mississippi State. I think it really speaks to uh, what Florida has brought in with Billy Gonzalez as well. Absolutely. I mean, we've said that about Hevesy with the offensive line last year, Gonzalez with the wide receivers, and certainly a lot of the other, Brian Johnson at quarterback, mm -hmm. um, you know, being able to know what Mullen wants to run and being able to implement those things and having having consistency among the coaching staff to be able to, to be able to preach the same message day after day after day and not have competing agendas because they all trust each other and they know what they're doing. They know what the message they're trying to send is when they go out there on the field. That obviously is going to make a difference. Um, it, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, you look at somebody like Tony and his ability to make people miss in the open field. And you just say, well, geez, if he could do that from a route running perspective, he should be able to break people's ankles <laughs> when, when, he's, when he's out there. And so it's, it's just a learning curve. And, you know, instead of just dragging yourself across the center and having to outrun the linebacker who's covering you, can you juke him and get an extra three yards of separation? All of a sudden, a seven-yard gain on a throw across the middle becomes 28 because – you know, because you've been able to get that extra couple of feet of separation. And that, again, that's one of the things I think you could take away from yesterday is that the receivers were consistently separating from everybody that they were, that they were up against. And again, limited defense, limited defensive backs, not everybody out there and limited in terms of what they were allowed to do. And also no, no real pressure on the quarterback, at least when Franks was in there. Um, but you know, it's, it's always a good sign when you see those guys separating because two years ago, you know, guys weren't open. <laughs> and, and so, you know, now they're open and, and in some cases it's the same guy. So um, it's good to see. All right. We discussed the good of Frank's and his progression earlier on will, but I have stood by saying that while Frank's may be a better quarterback, might even be a much better quarterback uh, that could be held back a little bit from the offensive line. And, you know, I have total confidence in Mullen and Hevesy and Savage in, in fielding a group of starting five, but they do still have a long way to go. Need some depth. Uh, the unit was split in, in the spring game, so you didn't necessarily get your what they would consider their starting five here. Uh, Hegging the Lance were battling ankle injuries. Noah Banks isn't even playing right now. 
things seem to be good if you go off of a tweet this past week by him, and maybe he'll be back uh, when fall practice comes back around. Uh, you know, you have in a ton of inexperience. Uh, you're littered with true freshmen in the grouping as well. You know, so it's going to be difficult versus a deeper Florida defensive line all spring in the spring game as well. Uh, but one of the more noticeable pieces in Mullen's post-game presser was stating that the Gators absolutely need help there. And quote, he says, not that I don't like our young players and where they're coming in in their development, but when you're looking at all these guys, we'd love to get a grad transfer, come in and add somebody that can come in and we'd feel comfortable that has that experience and can come in and play immediately for us. So, well, we've discussed it at, at length what the the you know what the issue would be with this offense in the offensive line, the inexperience there. Look, this isn't even the first time Mullen has said there. He said it in Jacksonville with, with the media availability here when he was in his speaking tour saying they were definitely going to be looking into the grad transfer market along the offensive line. Yes, they've recruited numbers there the last couple of years, but he is right in that they probably need somebody who can come in right away and compete and, and push the guys that are there. Yeah. You know, I mean, last year there were a bunch of games where either the game was salted away by a long run or the, or Florida's ability to, to really start putting points on the opponent You know, the Michigan games, a great example, or the Florida state games, a great example where P Ryan was able to hit that long run that put Florida up, I think 13 to three or 13 to six or something like that. And, and really sort of started the ability to pull away. And, and those runs weren't there yesterday. Now, know again it's a spring game who, who knows but the defense isn't being ultra aggressive against the run especially when they're getting torched by the pass and and the running game still wasn't there and i think that can be a little bit of a concern the tackles particularly on the blue side um got beat off the snap on a pretty consistent basis so when you look at i know there are going to be people out there who criticize trash but he was under significantly more pressure same thing as emory jones they were under considerably more pressure than frank's was um chatfield i know there was one play he just came off the edge and nobody even touched him and it flushed and it flushed Trask out of the pocket and, and forced him to do some stuff you wouldn't want him to do. So um, yeah, every quarterback is worse when he's getting pressured. I mean, Tom Brady, when he was playing against Denver a few years ago in the AFC championship game, you know, when, 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 uh, you know, Von, when Von Miller, Von Miller, God, I was trying to say Van, when Von Miller was coming off the edge, you know, he looks like a lot worse quarterback. He's getting hit and he looks like he looks human as opposed to when he played against, you know, defenses like Kansas City. He's all of a sudden he's putting up 400 yards this past year. No problem because there's no pressure at all on him. And so, you know, the same thing's going to be true for Franks or Trask or Jones. If the offensive line can't block, the passing game's going to struggle because eventually your eyes start looking at the offensive line rather than downfield and you make mistakes you wouldn't otherwise because you're afraid of getting hit. And that that happens with every quarterback. So, um, yeah. They're going to have to get better, and they're going to have to be better than they were yesterday. I think you know some people I read talked about there being a difference between the first half and the second half. The defense was a little bit more exotic in the second half, so the offensive line struggled more in the second half. But I thought the offensive line struggled in the first half. I mean, especially again, especially that second unit or the blue unit. Um, you know, it, it was just clear that Trask and Jones were under much more pressure than Franks was. And now, again, some of that might be that Franks was getting the ball out on time and the other guys weren't. But, um, you know, I suspect that a lot of that had to do with the, with the guys who were on there. And, and yeah, there's going to have to be improvement. And, and I don't think it's an indictment of the guys who are there. I think mm -hmm. it's a recognition that they're young. And just like if we had four brand new defensive backs who were going to have to start, we'd say, hey, there's going to be some growing pains. I think you look at the offensive line and say, hey, they've got, you know, they've got Tarquin out there playing as a, as a true freshman at tackle. There are going to be some things that he needs to work on. And that's the same of any true freshman. And so it's going to be the same when the guys come in in the fall who are all those high-level recruits. 
it's great they've got blue chip recruits coming in the offensive line, but to expect them to come in and contribute right away um, is expecting an awful lot. I mean, we we expect that of five star guys. We don't necessarily expect that of just you know guys in that two hundred to three hundred range. And and so to expect that, I think, is expecting a bit much. So yeah, I think a grad transfer would be an excellent addition to the unit, assuming that uh, that he's a high level guy. Because again. In the SEC, you can't get away with bringing in a guy who's experienced but limited. You, you got to have somebody who's highly skilled as well. Yeah, sure. When 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 May uh, when May graduations hit around the uh, country, I'm sure uh, Florida fans will be looking into the uh, portal and kind and kind of seeing who they make and bring in. You know, pinpoint one or two guys that they can bring in. Uh, they're looking to. Uh, you mentioned it as well. You know, it, it's tough in that scenario as well because. I think the defense pretty much knew that the passing game was going to be the focus of the spring game. So defensive line is basically you know, it's so much at an advantage when they know that the pass game's coming. They know they can go out wide on, uh, on an offensive tackle and try and get around him uh, for you know, most of the time. You know, they, they, they weren't necessarily uh, running the ball too much. It was a passing showcase. It was uh, you know not much game plan. And look, look, and part of it as well, you can help an offensive line. We saw Mullen do it against Mississippi State last year. And you know, yeah, they didn't put a whole lot of points on the board, but you saw the screen pass and you saw a lot of outside stuff to get to help the offensive line, get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. You know, we, we weren't going to see a lot of that yesterday uh, in that scenario. So there are things that uh, you know I don't want to call complete disaster along this offensive line because I think Mullen and, and the coach, offensive coaching staff can do a lot uh, to help those guys too. Will, you mentioned – if you know we're putting so much on uh, the the offensive line uh, because of literally a lot of young guys playing, and you know there's some young guys also playing a, a good bit all over the field, and it was Chris Steele out there who was getting a lot of playing time because Wilson Henderson uh, not out there. His place, best play of the day come on a pass breakup on a back shoulder throw in the end zone uh, to save the defense from giving up a touchdown. You know, hard to gauge the defense too much here, Will, uh, in, the heavy, in, in the heavy pass setup that we were just discussing. Uh, we're, we'll get a lot of trench warfare going on. and I, I know many are worried about what they saw at safety, but a couple players stood out statistically on the day. And Kyrie Campbell, six tackles, uh, one and a half tackles for loss, uh, a second and a half as well. Linebacker Ventrell Miller with eight tackles and a heck of a track down early on with tackling running back uh, Iverson Clement. And I was looking for more Amari burning the linebacker spot. Didn't get to see a whole lot there. Uh, but it was Miller who really showed up that position. Another linebacker, Rashad Jackson, uh, added three tackles with a sack. Zachary Carter, who's been a terror for the late part of spring, added four tackles as well. So, you know, all in all, probably, you know, could have been worse. But the defense uh, added, you know, seven sacks on the day. Uh, and nine tackles for loss. Uh, you know, it could have been worse for the offense and the offensive line there. Uh, but you know, it's really tough to take too much in this game from the setup with all the fun that was had. Yeah, you know, when when you give up ninety five points, I'm not sure you're going to look at <laughs> and say and, and say that either that there's something that's a shining star on defense. But it's intended to be that way, right? They're not they're not necessarily looking to to. And I know Mullen in his, his post game press conference talked about you know last year the defense was more experienced and this year the offense is more experienced, and so that's sort of the difference. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that you can make a whole lot. I mean, Steele looked good on a few plays out there, but obviously got beat on a few. And I think you can sort of say that about everybody on defense. But again, I mean, if, if you're playing basketball and you're right-handed, somebody ties your right hand behind your back. It's all, like, even if you're more athletic, it's really, really difficult to go out and beat somebody with your left hand unless you're really, really skilled. And, and you know, when when you limit the defense in the way Florida did yesterday and, and every 
every school limited their defense in the spring game. I mean, Guarantano had quotes coming out of the Tennessee spring game that were the exact same as, as Mullen, where it's like, you know, they played vanilla defense. I knew what was coming. I should pick them apart, right? And and so, again, I think that's sort of the, the takeaway is that when you're playing a game like this and this is how they choose to play it, then um, this is what you should expect. And and I think it's an encouraging thing to say, hey, this year's 60 to 35 when last year was 35 to 30. Um, last year with similar similar levels of of uh of handcuffing the offense wasn't able to take advantage this year they were and and i don't think that's an indictment of the defense i think it's a uh it's a recognition that the offense has improved all right well let's get to some tweets uh that our listeners uh sent in i sent out a tweet yesterday wanting to get the thoughts from some fans out there and what they saw all spring and the spring game and scott sweat sends in a tweet here he goes after rewatching the game all i really know is this Franks will end up being a great quarterback. Our receivers are going to be outstanding, and our rivals will make fun of us for playing Duck, Duck, Deuce. Because <laughs> uh, other than that, we will have uh, to wait till August, but I like our chances this year. Uh, will do is really kind of just starting off there, Scott, is of just kind of rehashing some of the things that we said. There's a lot of positivity, a lot of things to like. Uh, just because of Franks and the, and the receiver position, um, did you uh, did you want to go hop on the field and play some Duck, Duck, Goose? i'm okay with it those were the expectations this year right they they had set the expectations before the game and told us that this is what it was going to be and so you know if if that's how they choose to use a practice then then that's fine you know it's a spectacle for the fans and if the fans enjoy it then that's great um you know i i had different expectations last year which is why i didn't particularly like the way things were run but you know i I think it was interesting that jalen hurts when you know, he, he goofed off a little bit during the Oklahoma spring game and said that, you know, he wouldn't have been able to do that under Saban. And, and that's all well and good. And, hey, people can do things differently. Uh, the only thing I kept coming back to after his comments in that one were how many national championships has Oklahoma won <laughs> over the last 10 years? So, you know, it's it's it, when we said this about Franks a couple of weeks ago when during practice he was showing emotion. And, you know, the question was, is it is it too much emotion for the situation you know should he be putting his shoulder down in practice and and getting everybody riled up and it's like well you know if florida wins and franks plays well everybody will say it was a great idea if if florida loses and franks plays poorly then everybody will say he should have saved it for the game and i think it's the same thing here right if if florida had gone six and six last year then the spring game stuff from last year has more criticism the fact they go 10 and three means that uh means that it worked right and so this year he does the same thing and everybody's like hey it's gonna work again because it worked last year and we'll see all right jb at jav 2375 says it was entertaining lit up the scoreboard no one got hurt fun day yeah for the most part don't think we heard of uh, any major injuries and that was goal number one <laughs> for me uh, when we, we were previewing the spring game uh, uh last week uh adam b wade uh, sends in Emery's play. Emery Emery plays more from game to game because he's the run threat. But if God forbid something happens to Franks, I think without a doubt Trask is the number two starter. Um, like I said, I, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Will I'm not so sure. I, I I still don't really know. I think that battle's going to go into the fall. Trask does have more experience. Emery's a better fit for the offense. Uh, I still think his he will get as. Adam is kind of saying here some more just situational time, but yeah, if, if Frank's was to go down, if somebody else has to be the starting quarterback, uh, that is a battle that's going to rage on for a little while. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd agree with last year's offensive line. Trask is probably the backup. I mean, if you had the exact same offensive line this year, um, I think tracks Trask definitely would have the inside track on the, on being the backup, but he has struggled so much in all the film that we've seen of him and the limited amount we've seen. And then also, 
um, all the discussions of practice last year dealing with pressure, and then you still see that in the spring game yesterday, and you go, okay, well, if the offensive line has some growing pains, then you probably want the guy back there who can run. And But you need somebody who can execute the offense and can and can get people in the right positions and avoid turnovers and all those sorts of things too. So, um, yeah, like, I, like you said, I think it's going to be um, – Frank's clearly is number one. Mm-hmm. And so when you're thinking, you know, if he goes down, there's going to be a drop off. And, and I think people need to expect there's going to be a drop off that it's not, it's not Wally Pip, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. Eric isn't coming in to take over and all of a sudden Frank's comes back healthy and can't get his job back because somebody else has stepped in. I think, you know, there's a drop off and, and we just need to expect that regardless of who the second quarterback is. All right. A few more tweets here uh, at row underscore Dixon sends in praying for a healthy offensive line this season. If Franks gets time to throw, things could get weird. We just might have the best skill position groups on offense in the SEC. I don't think that's you know far fetched. There, I think Florida has a lot of depth at receiver, a lot of depth at running back uh, there, and tight end as well. Who probably, while we like those guys, have to probably prove it. In, like you said, we're early on in more game situations, but there is a lot to like there at the skill position for the Gators. Yeah, there, there's a there's a lot of experience coming back too there. Which you know, Phil Steele, whenever when he puts out his mm. his preseason preview, always rates teams based on how much they have coming back. Florida rated pretty well last year because of all the guys coming back on the offensive line, all the guys coming back on the defense. I suspect Florida will rank worse this year just because of all the guys who've left from last year. But I think that at the wide receiver position, at least, they're going to rank very, very highly in that particular aspect. So not only do you have highly skilled guys, but you've got guys who have experience in the system and comfort in the system and have actually have actually produced. I mean, Van Jefferson and Trevon Grimes and Kadarius Tony to some extent have all produced in the offense. Whereas last year we were looking at it saying, Hey, these guys are really highly ranked. They've all got skill, but they haven't really produced a whole lot. So last year they produced. And so you look at that and say, they're all coming back. If they all take, um, significant or even maybe incremental steps forward, you can expect that it's going to be a, a significant uptick in production at that position. The last few tweets here all kind of along the same theme here. Brian Wetzel, this team has a chance to be special with the offensive line can be productive. Gator boss 904, offense was explosive. O-line concerns me. Neat depth there, and they need to gel. And uh, Kay Goodman, 1986, also says, fun game. Franks is clearly the number one quarterback. He has come a long ways. Well, definitely quarterback, offensive line, definitely the, I think, for opposite reasons, <laughs> are kind of the uh, the the kind of headlines. Uh, Coming out of spring, going into fall camp. And then, yeah, uh, Gator Ball says it there. You know, the offensive line, they need depth there, and they need to gel. And, you know, we'll look. We'll have months now to kind of preview the first game uh, against Miami. They are going to bring an experienced defensive line, an athletic defensive line. Uh, you and I have kind of discussed it before, but it, we'll, we'll see how much Florida is able to rely on a, a passing game with this offensive line early on in the season. Uh, as they are still trying to figure things out, as they're still trying to gel, you get by that Miami game, then you have a you have a bye week. You have some weeks to 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 get things figured out against you know not some of the SEC's best, but Kentucky we know was, can still bring athletes to the table. Um, can, they lost a lot, but they'll be going against a young Florida offensive line. Tennessee is already on in the season as well. Two teams you still expect to beat, but still, where at a point now where that offensive line still has to kind of be coming together at that point in the season. And, you know, Mullen's not new at this. I mean, I mean, he's, he's, you got to deal with turnover as a college coach every year. And, and he hasn't had this level of talent on an offensive line 
you know, I, I'm not sure he ever had this level of talent on an offensive line at Mississippi State. They're young, but they're talented, and so you know, it's his job to get them up and up and playing. I'll, I'll be honest, judging from Gator Twitter, I don't think they're going to be real pleased with squeaking by Miami. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think they want bragging rights, and they want bragging rights right away. So, um, yeah, you're only as good as your last game, and that and that's really when we'll see it. And I, I think, you know, last year was a good indication that Florida's heading in the right direction. I think you can see the progress from 2018 in the spring game to 2019. That's all you can ask is to see progress throughout, um, you know, and, and since the games were relatively similar in terms of the way that they were set up, um, you know, drafted teams and, and vanilla defenses and things like that, you can make some comparisons at least. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the worst part is, is we got four months until August comes around. So, you know, it's only master's season and we're going to have to get through the whole golf season before we kick off. But, uh, but you know, the good news is I think everybody on campus, you could see it from the attendance yesterday. I mean, certainly, certainly beat, beat, uh, beat Tallahassee's attendance by a considerable margin. And, uh, and, uh, you know, people were sitting out in the sun, even though, uh, even though it was warm out there. And, and I think you can feel the excitement around campus. You can feel the excitement around the program. And, and that's a great thing to see. Absolutely. Well, it wasn't uh, you threw some shade there at, at, at Tallahassee and we can throw some more because Florida got a commitment yesterday from Jaheim Bell from Valdosta, Georgia, an H-back that will probably fit more into a wide receiver role, uh, especially with, you know, all that Florida will lose from the wide receiver position uh, after the 2019 season, the six foot two, 215 pound uh, Bell picked Florida over Auburn and Florida State, two programs he recently visited visited and hey, look there's where some of the shade comes in there was thought from the fsu side of things that he was on commit watch for them last week and just one week later uh he dons uh a commitment to the orange and blue uh 24 7 sports composite industry rated uh you know he compile uh 24 7 espn rivals they rank bell as the 400 overall prospect number 28 athlete in the 2020 class but 24 7 sports themselves has him rated as a four-star the 326th ranked player in the country. Will runs a 46640, a 30-inch, 38-inch vertical. Uh, Bell looks like kind of a, a, a typical Mullen big-bodied receiver. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's had some success with that at Mississippi State, certainly. And then even at Florida, right? You had Dallas Baker and and guys like that who were bigger and maybe weren't necessarily the fastest guys, but were able to were able to to generate separation with their size. And I think we're going to see what, what he can do with a guy like that when we look at Pitts this year and over the next couple of years at Florida as well. But clearly putting an emphasis on tall receivers. I mean, you know, went out and got Trevon Grimes to start with last year, and he's a tall guy. And then you bring in somebody like Pitts, he's a tall guy. And then you bring in somebody like Jaheim Bell, who's a pretty tall, big guy. 215 pounds is not a small wide receiver. Um, and, and so, you know, you know, he's got a prototype in terms of the types of guys he likes in this um, speed and sort of profile range for a recruit. And I'm excited to see what he'll do with them. I, I think, you know, um, you see three star and you don't necessarily get excited. I think at least a lot of fans don't, but um, you know, we never say that the stars doesn't, doesn't mean that the guy can't be good. It just means that the probability of him being, you know, Heisman trophy candidate is relatively limited. Um, but, you know, still a very, very good player when you're rated 400th overall by the composite. And and there's quite a bit of spread there, as you mentioned, because he's rated in the high 300s by 24-7, which means he's rated 500 someplace else in, in terms of the averages. So probably some some room to move. And, and, and maybe as, you know, these guys still have an entire season to go through, and there's quite a bit of movement, as we saw last year, um, between where these guys are ranked. I mean, the high-level elite guys usually don't move around too much, but there's quite a bit of movement in that 200 to 400 range. And so, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see where he ends up at the end of the year and probably ends up in that in the top 300 eventually. Yeah. 
it was really just good to just a week later just spur FSU. Right this back for a guy they thought they had. Well, that, that's been happening a lot to them recently. Yeah. So, uh. <laughs> and yeah, Tallahassee about Austin, not that far from each other. So, uh, he does oh. have some connections in Lake City as well. So that kind of helps, I think, uh, maybe the Gator side of things. But still, uh, still good for for Bell uh, to come in and commit to the Gators on Spring Game weekend. Uh, probably look out for too for the next couple of days uh, for some more commits, kind of uh, off the hills uh, of the Spring Game. So, will Spring Game wraps up? No more football till August. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna have to find other stuff to talk about, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, you know, the the interesting thing is there's there's never a dull moment. You know that there's there's going to be something going on the next week that's going to make you do an emergency podcast or something, <laughs> right, right in the middle of your vacation or something, man. They'll they'll, they'll do something. But uh, no, I mean it, it's a positive thing. You come out of here saying nobody got injured. We know you know, the places that need work are places that we suspected were going to need work. And so there aren't any surprises. There isn't anything that you look at, you know, somebody like Malik Davis looked reasonably healthy yesterday. I mean, it wasn't like he was, he was flying all over the field, but I mean, he got, he was out there, he got hit. He looked like he still had the ability to move, move around a little bit. Um, obviously the wide receivers looked very, very explosive. Um, I thought Andrew Chatfield looked really good out there at defensive end. Um, so I think there are a lot of things you can look at and say, Hey, I can take some positives from here, but I think you also have to take it with a grain of salt just because of what the game is. I think it's more important to um, sort of pay attention to the guys who have been there to the open practices and have said, hey, this is what we're seeing when they're really going hard and really going live as opposed to uh, <laughs> as opposed to looking at the spring game, trying to take too much from that. So, um, yeah, but again, very, very encouraged. Um, feel like the, the, the program's going in the right direction. I'm really excited to see what happens once we kick it off in August. That's right. A few more months away uh, to August. So we'll have to get through the heavy uh, you know, preseason magazines. will come out late May. Uh, that'll help us get through uh, the, the the lazy summer. And as you said, we'll have some golf. I uh, watched the last round of the Masters today. Uh, big Game of Thrones fans. So Game of Thrones, uh, take up some time for me <laughs> in the next, uh, next few weeks. I'm ready for that to, to premiere as well. Uh, but yeah, a lot of good stuff going on, Will. And uh, excited. To, you know, after yesterday, uh, one more uh, spending time with. Uh, and having some good festivities uh, with a lot of fellow fans and listeners out there. So uh, thanks for uh, some of those guys and, and girls who reached out and said hello and all that good stuff. Uh, really fun seeing you guys out there in Gainesville. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun to be had. And, uh, hey, we'll have you covered here on Gators Breakdown for the next couple of months as we get ramped up for the season. Yeah, well, we feel privileged to be able to do this sort of stuff. I mean, it's it's not really work for us. It's fun to do this sort of stuff. So um, we really appreciate everybody's support and appreciate them reaching out and, and certainly uh, getting to meet everybody. So, uh, you know, we appreciate that and keep doing it. Absolutely. All right. So, Will, uh, anything coming up, uh, read reaction this week? Uh, yeah, so I'll probably have a little spring recap and then uh, start getting into the film. So I'm interested to look, you know, saw some things that Mullen was able to do with the tight ends, and I'm, I'm hoping to explore that a little bit more as the uh, as the offseason goes forward. All righty. So, Will, enjoy your time in Orlando uh, for the next couple of days uh, and uh, go, uh, go ride Space Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm turning on Tiger right after this, and we're going to see how he, how he does. Uh, whether you love him or hate him, it's 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 good to see him in contention at a at a at an event and sort of the excitement that he brings. And uh, you know, I'm a fan of all sports, not just Gator sports, so it's always good to see that sort of stuff. Absolutely, I guarantee you, with the Masters, uh, that will uh, the, the that would not the, the Masters and all those roller coasters there. Uh, the Masters will be a roller coaster as well. Is I guess what I'm trying to say. That 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 is what you'll see. Not necessarily saying Tiger will be, but uh, drama always happens in Augusta on Sunday, so it should be fun to see. 
Well, I just like it because it feels like the British Open because they're teeing off at nine o'clock this morning because <laughs> of the weather. So, uh, you know, it'll be like four o'clock and the tournament will be over. I won't know what to do with myself. So, that's uh, right. But nah, it should be a good time and uh, and looking forward to the time here in Orlando with the family and uh, and and getting back to work next week maybe for a little bit. But um, hope everybody has a good Easter and uh, and a good off season. Absolutely. So that's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SEC and his site readandreaction.com. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. Gators Breakdown.